Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, June 24th, 2021. Well, last week we asked the question, where are the Elijahs? Where are the people of faith that are going to rise up and be used by God to point a nation back to God? And well, Elijah now has left the scene, gone up to heaven, carried it in the whirlwind. But now we are reading his about his disciple, his follower, Elisha. And again, what we're going to need to see is uh, the people that God is going to use uh, need to have faith. And too often that is what is missing. Where are the Elijahs? Well, it's not that Elijah was some special person. As we saw, he was a nobody from nowhere. Or as James 5 puts it, he was a man with a nature like ours. But we could see he clearly had faith in God. And we're going to see that faith even has to lean more on God than it does on us. And so today, as we look at Elisha and we look at some other passages, what I want us to note is all the great things that God does. And it needs to build our faith because if we're going to rise up and act like Elijah or Elisha, what we need is faith. We need to be people that, that fight the battles in front of us with faith in an incredible God who can win. And what we see as we look at 2 Kings chapter 4 is really just a record of some amazing things that God did. Uh, And so it starts at the beginning with Elisha and this widow's oil. And uh, we we see in this first story just an incredible miracle that God does where this woman uh, who, notice, she's a wife of one of the sons of the prophets. So that it seems like Elisha had somewhat of a school of guys that he was discipling, that he was leading, that he was investing in. And the wife of one of them, you know, she had been widowed. So one of these prophets had died and now she has nothing. She's going to have to sell her kids into slavery. But God miraculously provides and multiplies uh, this jar with oil so that she has enough to pay off all her debts and to live off of the rest. An incredible miracle. Uh, And we're also going to see some things later. At the end of the chapter, we see uh, Elisha almost uh, in what feels like a precursor to Jesus feeding the multitudes. We see uh, bread being multiplied to feed a bigger crowd. And so even just one thing we have to realize in all of this is if we're going to be like Elijah, if we're going to be like Elisha, if God's going to use us to reach a nation and to point a nation back to God, we're going to need to trust that God can meet all of our physical needs. And think of that even going back to Elijah, right? God led him to the brook in a time of famine. God provided. And we're going to need to trust, you know what? God can provide my physical needs. Uh, Many times we can get distracted by just the cares of life and that can pull us away uh, from what God has called us to. If you think about it, it's right in that section of uh, don't be anxious for your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. That comes right after, hey, you can't serve uh, both God and money. And so that should be a reminder to us that, hey, I can trust God to meet my physical needs because the same God that multiplied the oil, the same God that multiplied these loaves, it's the same God that I'm serving. We read about some interactions as well with Elisha and this Shunammite woman. And so it seems that there's this woman and her husband that 
kind of build a relationship with Elisha and he, uh, they are hospitable to him and they even build a, a room where he can stay as he's on his travels. Uh, and so we see they are going to be blessed. The Shunammite woman was barren and God blesses them with a child. And then eventually this child dies and God uses Elisha to raise this child from the dead. And so there we can see that this God that we serve, he, he does some amazing things here. He brings life where it seems against the odds with this supposedly barren woman. And then he restores life when life had been lost. What an incredible God uh, that we serve. And I think we even see some faith to this Shunammite woman going to Elisha and really, I think, having faith that he was going to do something amazing. And we need to trust God. We are serving the same God that we see here in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And again, one of the reasons why we don't see the same things in our lives as Elijah and Elisha, and maybe not so much just the miraculous things, but the substance of being used by God is we lack faith in this incredible God. And another miracle that we see here is Elisha purifying this deadly stew where some bad ingredient gets in and it says, oh man of God, there is death in the pot. And I don't know, maybe sometimes you've gone to a restaurant or, you know, something that was cooked at home. You're like, oh my, there is death in the pot. Well, not quite. Uh, This wasn't just, oh, this didn't taste good. No, this seemed to be a genuinely dangerous situation. And so, As we look at 2 Kings 4, we really see a record of just God being faithful, God providing whatever Elisha needed, and God doing all these things. And so I want our response today to be, you know, I can trust God. I can trust God to meet my needs. I can trust God to raise people from the dead. I mean, ultimately spiritually, as we think about that just in our day and age, that's what revival is going to take. Just people left and right being raised from their spiritual blindness and death to see and to trust the true and the living God. So may God build our faith as we read 2 Kings 4 this morning. And may God also build our faith as we read Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 66. And here we read about John the Baptist actually being born. And again, we need to step back and remember what an amazing thing that was. And here we see Zechariah now bearing the fruits of faith. We saw he doubted uh, when the angel came and gave him the message of what was going to happen. And even as a punishment, he was not able to speak for a time. But then we see now as everyone is saying, oh, you need to name this child Zechariah when the angel had clearly said, no, you should name this child John. And we see John, or sorry, Zechariah, unable to speak right on the tablet. No, his name is John. And that is when his mouth is opened and God gets glory as everyone sees, well, God is clearly in what's going on here. So I hope as we read these stories, they're not just, you know, ancient tales on a page that seem so foreign. I hope they are actively building our faith in God as we prepare to fight the battles that we need to fight. And speaking of fighting those battles, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 helps us understand what that's going to look like as we look at verses 1 through 6. And here, especially in these later chapters, you really start to see some of the difficulties that were going on in the relationship between Paul and and the Corinthians, and that the, a lot of the Corinthians were making accusations against Paul and really trying to stir up the church against 
Paul. And that's what you see here kind of at the beginning when he talks about meekness and gentleness and how basically Paul was trying to be patient with this church. But now there were some people in the church saying, Paul, you're weak as a result of this. And so they're taking something godly that Paul is trying to do and turning it into weakness. But then you get into more of a substance of this spiritual fight that we are in, starting in verse four, when Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And so there we see what is this spiritual battle we are in like? Well, it talks about destroying strongholds, the idea of a fortress, but it's very clear this is not a literal stronghold. This is not a battle of the flesh. It's really a battle of ideas. It's a battle of truth. And even there's that phrase, take every thought captive to obey Christ. And many times I think we just think of that phrase in a personal sense, right? That you personally need to take all of your thoughts captive to obey Christ. And yes, that is something that we all need to do. But I think from the context here, the idea Paul is saying is more kind of in a corporate sense. That as we deal with the ideas in our culture and we deal um, with what is being presented as truth, no, that's where we're taking every thought captive to Christ, that we are not just going to buy what the culture says. We're not going to buy what false teachers say. We are going to make sure everything lines up with the word of God. And we will use the weapons God has given us, mainly the word of God, to destroy the strongholds of the foolish arguments and foolish opinions of the world. So that's a helpful thing for us uh, to remember as we are in the middle of a war. That's kind of what the scripture says. We're in a war against the flesh. There is opposition from the world. Even as we think about how our culture talks about the culture wars. We have to remember as Christians, no, our weapons aren't flesh and blood. Uh, Our weapons is really the word of God. And we are going to use that to fight this battle. Uh, And really, we're going to use that because we have faith in God. We we trust this God that we've seen in 2 Kings 4 and in Luke chapter 1 with all the miraculous things he is doing. And so we trust him. So we're sticking to his weapons instead of leaning on our own wisdom and using those to fight the spiritual battles that he has put in front of us. And we know that our God, he is a mighty God who can win the battle. And we see that as we wrap up in Psalm 76, verses seven through 12, as we finish this Psalm. And it begins by saying, but you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is aroused? From the heavens, you uttered judgment. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth. So there even, that's a good, good reminder for us to stay humble, for us to stay trusting, and for us to use God's weapons, trusting that God is going to win. He is going to execute judgment. And so we can trust in him. And so I hope our reading today fills us all with faith as we look at this great God, that our hearts are encouraged by the example of Elisha, that our hearts are encouraged by the character of God and the might of God, and that that fills us with faith to be the kind of people like Elijah, like Elisha, people of prayer, people of truth, people who God will use to point people back to him. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. 
To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.